Hi, this is Violet Lang. Welcome to my podcast, The Pleasure Path, all about love, dating, relationships, and femininity. I help successful spiritual women find their pleasure and their power to create healthy partnership. My special guest, Dr. Giovanni Washington, shares about her powerful oracle card deck called The Black Goddess Within, her program for ancestral restoration and healing called Meet the Goddess Within, and we talk about why it's so important to revere, honor, and see the Black body in all its divinity and beauty. I am honored to consider Dr. Giovanni Washington as one of my teachers and mentors, and I'm so thrilled to have her on the show. Welcome everyone to another amazing episode of The Pleasure Path. I am beyond delighted to be here with Dr. Giovanni Washington. I got to know her by taking one of her programs, Meet the Goddess Within, which I highly recommend to anyone listening. And we will talk more about that during the show. But before we get into it, let me tell you a little bit more about her and give you her background. Dr. Giovanni Washington comes from a long line of educators, moonshine makers, and medicine women who took away pain even when the rupture left them with only whatever was in the pantry. Dr. Washington earned her PhD from UCLA's Department of World Arts and Cultures after studying and performing sonic traditions in many countries, including Brazil, Burkina Faso, Cuba, Ethiopia, Guinea, Jamaica, Japan, Kenya, Senegal, Trinidad, Uganda, and the United States. She is a biologist, epidemiologist, and ethnographer by training. However, standing up for the Black body is her daily personal, professional, and artistic practice. Dr. G, as she is affectionately known, is a mother, council holder, healer, and the creator of the Black Goddess Within Oracle Deck. And we're going to be talking a lot about that when we get into the show. So Dr. G, welcome. I'm so excited that you're here. And introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. Thank you. Thank you so much, Violet, for having me today. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, I am the creator of the Black Goddess Within Oracle Deck, and it is a product and a suite of programming that's dedicated to helping the world decolonize its view of the black body. Mm. And so, you know, we know that the world and colonialism and the colonialist project had to denigrate and belittle and make savage the black body in order to enslave it. Um, and, there, you know, there's a whole history there. And, but those, the ramifications of, of that continue until this day. And we'll see, we see it in police brutality. We saw it in the, the I think most, significantly this past year with the murder of George Floyd. That was, you know, eight minutes of neck kneeling uh, that ultimately ended in the loss of his life. But it was that the fact that it was captured on camera and broadcast to the entire world while a lot of people are at home because of coronavirus, I think it hit the world in a different way. But something very similar happened five years prior in Ferguson, and that's where the, the seed of the, the deck was planted. Wow. Thank you for giving us that context and reminding us of this um, horrible journey that we've been on that's been going on forever, but now technology is really showing us really in our face. Um, yeah, I know I was really drawn to work with you and to study with the black goddesses because so much of spirituality only shows like thin white women on Oracle cards and like, what is up with this? Um, so I'm really glad we had the chance to meet and I'm continuing, continuing, you know, to study with you. But tell me a little bit more about the process of making the cards, because the cards have their own like meaning and their own journey with each woman. And I've actually never seen an Oracle deck like this. So the irony for me about the Black Goddess Within Oracle deck and the vision, for the, I guess the vision of the iron, the irony of the vision is that I can't draw like at all. I am not a visual person. 
Um, I'm a kinesthetic learner and expressor. I'm, I play drums and I do African dance and have done for, man, like 25 years at this point. Um, but I had a vision and I saw one of these Oracle decks actually in conjunct at the same time that the Ferguson thing happened, um, I ordered and it was a Cuban Orisha deck and the Orisha are the pantheons of gods and goddesses that come from Nigeria that traveled through the transatlantic trade of enslaved Africans, a lot of words, through to Cuba, to Brazil, to Haiti, to other places in the Caribbean and to the United States. Um, and o Oshun was white. She was like glowingly white. You know, like like a it was it wasn't this you know like the the pink of a white person. It was just it was white, 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 and all the other gods and goddesses in the deck were white. And I was just like, what the hell is going on? And this is in a deck where the gods and goddesses absolutely should have been of color. Yeah. Um. You know, it wasn't just that they were absent; like they should have been of color, and they were not. And so I thought when I had this meeting, um, I was actually holding space for a group of black women that when the Ferguson debacle happened uh, and another police officer was acquitted for the killing of a young black man, the young unarmed black man. And I didn't know it at that time, but I mean, we left the meeting, all of us committed to changing the way that the world sees the black bodies. There were a couple of filmmakers in my, in my cohort, so they were gonna do it that way. Um, and I was like, I was also obsessed with the Oracle, with Oracle decks at that point. And I was like, there's gotta be a way that we can get the women to identify and harness the sort of goddess qualities in themselves and meet the goddess on film. And that's where we started using the, the verb to meet. Like they're, they're not becoming the goddess, but they're meeting the goddess within themselves. And uh, so the process, we took them through a retreat, a three-day retreat. The last day was a photo shoot. They each chose a goddess and they embodied the goddess on film. And then I hired a graphic designer to, for example, you know, we took the raw image and then we brought in, we just dropped in, we Photoshopped the background. And we were really, I was really determined to not Photoshop the bodies. So these bodies are not Photoshopped. These are real women. This is what they look like, including me. I'm also in the deck, but the images are, I mean, the backgrounds are totally Photoshopped in. <laughs> So there isn't a deck like this. There are, there are some other decks that talk about African gods and goddesses, but they're typically images or yeah. drawings, illustrations. They're not um, photographs of real people. So that's the process of the deck. It's actually really exciting and I'm hoping to do, I have data to do at least another hundred cards. So we're working on how to roll that out right now. That's so inspiring and exciting. I'm looking forward to that. I'm wondering when you were taking the photos and watching each woman meet the goddess, uh, did they self-select which goddess they wanted to meet or is it something the group saw in them and kind of assigned or how did each person meet their particular goddess? Um, they had to choose from at that point, it was seven goddesses that I had done deep research on and given what we, established throughout the weekend of the retreat, there were certain people aligned with certain goddesses. And so it actually was really interesting. There was no fighting. Everyone went to their goddess and it was it just, it was like it was meant to be. It was, it was almost like it was predetermined. Mm. And then what was it like to see, see them transform into these goddesses? Cause it feels like to me, there's a deep transmission in each of the images or, or pictures of these women. I think that is an accurate statement by the way. Uh, <laughs> they, with this, with this image, for example, when Kim met Oya, um, she became, something happened when she put on the outfit and put the, I don't even know what it's called, but put the thing over her face and covered her face. She began to walk around um, in the way that you see someone who is trans-possessed or 
incorporate it and walk around. Like if something happened in that session, every time someone, even before they got to the, the you know, the with the photographer, something happened in it. There was a transformation. It wasn't just the makeup. It wasn't just the nails. It wasn't just the outfit. There was truly an embodiment of the spirit and the energies of the goddesses in that on that day. It was really, it was, it was really powerful. Yes, I have chills just hearing you talk about it. It was pretty, it was pretty, um, you ever, you know, we have plans and then your plans like it far exceeded. It was, it was that, I was like, that was like, I knew it was gonna be cool, but to have this thing, people are still, I mean, I have people, women from the deck still writing me, telling me that that weekend was transformative and they're still feeling the ramification, like the, the ramification sounds terrible, but the benefits of going through that process and meeting the goddess and having the deck and being able to see themselves and the other women in the cohort like this, because we don't see ourselves like this very often. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't, we don't see the divinity is not typically portrayed with brown skin, full bodied women. Yeah. There's so many, so many tropes about emotions that brown skin and black skin women have or, or stereotypes, but the reverence and the delight and the the divinity and the um, sexuality and the fierceness and there's just there's just so much depth and so much richness. I concur. <laughs> I agree now, wholeheartedly. Now, was there um, have there been particular energies that have been really impactful and goddesses for? for you on this journey? Like, are there certain cards you resonate with most? I know you're not supposed to have like favorite children, but you know, do you have any? You know, as I've been teaching this course, uh, Meet the Goddess Within and uh, part one and part two, every, I find myself saying every week, this is my favorite card. Um, but the one that sort of drove me in the process was Califia, which is who was the goddess that I actually represented. And she is not from Africa. She actually is like the, the patron saint, the goddess of California. Um, and I put her in because she was so central to the, the retreat process and also to give a nod about like where the deck was created. And there's, there's something about a group of strong, um, the women are described as Amazonian, uh, robust, dark skin. Uh, there are no other males on the island. Uh, they're protected by the griffin who eats males. He only eats, the griffins only eat males. And gold is the only metal on the island. And so they're clad in gold, like they wear gold as their, as their clothing and as their, um, their um, what's the word? Their clothing for war. They're, that's how they prepare for war. And it's, yeah, there's something about Califia's live into victory, which is the call to action on her card that really, really, um, I'm, yeah, I'm, an, I'm enamored by Califia. And there's a, she has a magic circle that was created by Nikki St. Fall. It's a big mosaic installation in Escondido, California. And it's, it, you see this like 30 foot statue of Queen Califia standing on top of a griffin with all these other totems around her. There's just something really magical about her power and the fact that she comes from this land, which I think is also really um, important. We need, we, there needs to be a connection with the land and the work that you're, when we do this kind of work. Um, yeah, Califia is the one for me. And then Oya is the one who I've showed you a couple times already, but Oya mm-hmm. is the uh, Yoruba goddess of, she's typically known as storms, winds, thunder, but she's also has dominion over words. And that's what we talk about on this card. And she talks to us about how we, she reminds us that we need to be careful about the way we speak to ourselves about ourselves, which I think is really, you know, it's where I think we're taught to speak nicely to other people, at least, you know, to them. 
Um, and we're taught to consider other people before we consider ourselves, but we have to put that same consideration and effort towards ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's really important. Like that's the, I think our parents' messages are our first, but then those messages become our messages, right? And so at some point those messages become our responsibility. Mm. And so we have to be very careful about the way that we speak to ourselves about ourselves, because that's the, that is the track that's always playing. So true. And I love how you incorporate the psychology of, of change and transformation along with the mysticism, along with the embodiment and along with the ancestors. Can you talk a little bit more about how ancestor work is a part of how you serve women? Sure. Absolutely. I believe that racial healing and ancestral restoration are like two parallels that go hand in hand where racial healing for me is, and the racial healing comes from the decolonizing approach to this work. So we're, we're looking at bodies that are, um, that are black, but beautiful and strong and not all the negative connotations that were always associated with black bodies. Uh, and so just we, so much information, so much of the way that we communicate, I think Instagram is the biggest example is through images, mm-hmm. right? Like I can tell you a lot more, or you, or you will learn a lot more by looking at this picture than by reading a book, you know, a thousand page book about, oh yeah, you can see so many things from this image. Um, so that's the, that's sort of the racial healing, the, the deconstructing, the decolonizing, the decolonizing that's happening um, just by, by virtue of being close to the cards, by being in their, in their, you know, their purview. And um, so racial healing is what I consider external, it's structural, it's, it's the institutions um, and that change, those changes, that change that need to be, ha- that need to be made in America, the, the sort of racial reconcil- reconciliation or the reconciling that's happening right now can't happen unless we change first. And so that's the ancestral part of this. And no matter who we are in this country, we are um, subject to the ramifications of colonialism. And that means that if you're a black person, you, you have wounds of racism, right? We didn't create racism, but we certainly suffer from it. And even as a white person, like you, we're human too. And if you are denigrating, or if the world around you and therefore you in your mind are also denigrating the black body, you're also denigrating yourself. Like you can't attack someone else's humanity without impacting your own humanity. So um, when we go back into our own lineages and find ruptures or places of harm and are able to repair or restore those harms, we fix the lineages going back, we fix art, we, fix, we heal ourselves, and we also heal the, for our future, for our children, our nieces and nephews, for the generations that come after us, even if they're not related to us by blood. And so there's a, we're in a moment in America. We're in a great big moment. Something is happening. You know, this is, I don't think the, the harm against the black body, against black men is, is not new. Mm-hmm. Right, it's been going on, but I, there's something about the way that everybody has a camera in their hand. So the, the violence is being caught on on camera, and then it's being immediately broadcast worldwide. Mm-hmm. You know, and so there's, and and with with coronavirus, everyone's at, it's like we're in a uh, we're still still you know sort of we're more still than we are typically, and there's a there's a way we've taken in. Um, the the sort of significance and the impact. It's like, it's not just those people over there. Like those people are my neighbors. They're my, uh, we all, we now have more interracial relationships than ever. Like they're my partner, they're my children. You know, this is, this is something that impacts every single person in this country. And so we all, I think we all need to do our ancestral personal work, which is internal, which is personal. Uh, and then they come together. So if we, you can't do one without the other. Like the world cannot change until we do our own work. I really believe that. That was a long answer. Great. I, I really agree. I think there's 
a lot we can do for our children or, you know, going to marches and doing the things and calling our senators. But we also have these subconscious beliefs. We have these indoctrinations. We have these um, things that are, that are keeping us from even seeing where we're getting in our own way for creating change. And uh, I have a one-year-old daughter. And of course, like she has the dolls and she has the books and she has all the things. But if I'm not also you know, friends with black people and celebrating the black body and showing her the Oracle cards and, you know, talking about uh, just everything that's going on. And in addition to doing my own work on my own biases, then it's just kind of cute, but it's not actually gonna, gonna change things. I mean, it's, it's crazy to think how normal it is to normalize things. Mm. Right. Like the, you talk, you mentioned your daughter. Mm-hmm. I have another friend, a white girlfriend who bought these for her daughter. And you know, I think she's like four or five, so, but she's playing with the cards and she, she's not looking at them as an Oracle tool. She's looking at the pictures, the pretty pictures on the card, but everything else she has, and I'm making an assumption. I don't actually know, but everything else that's available, the majority of it is of white kids. Mm. You know, we're trying to find cartoons that had Brown boy protagonists. When my kid was a kid, there was like Diego. You know, and Diego, my, at some point, Sterling was like, yeah, but Diego's not like me. Mm. I mean, he's not like all the other white kids, but he's also not like me, you know. Yeah. Uh, then there was the Motown cartoon came out. Have you seen that one? It's fantastic. It's no. great. It's called, it's Motown something. I think it's on Netflix. It's amazing, but it just came out. It wasn't out when he was a kid, when he was, you know, a young, a young like a toddler. Yeah. Um, so even from a very young age, we are indoctrinated, like you said, we're we're made to think that white is right, that white is normal, and that everything outside of white, something's wrong with it. It's like, that's, that is a, a perspective, an approach that is in everybody's mind. Whether or not we want it, that's just because of what's, what images are out there for us to, to consume. You know? So we have to actively fight and actively search and actively provide these things for our children, for our families. Um, and I, I always wanna be very clear that it's not just women who have children, like women mm-hmm. who don't have children have communities, right? Yeah. And they're, so when they change their perspective, they're changing their perspectives of the communities. It's not just, like, I wanna be really clear, it's not just women who have children. Um, yeah, I think, I think this is really important work. I think the images, just the images being out there is one thing. I think that they have stories attached to them and wisdom attached to them. And there's a little bit of like um, sort of geographical information, you know, like where is it from and what group does it belong to? And this is, this is information that I found that even black folks don't necessarily have. You yeah. know? So we've, we've all been denied this education and this exposure. And I think it's, you just can't, it's, it's just good. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> it's important juicy. and it's necessary. Yeah. It's necessary. I think it's, it's good for black people and it's necessary for white people to do this work. Like we 100%. Have, to have to become more embodied and more connected to these parts of our ancestry and these parts of our shadow, you know, the like toxic whitewashed spirituality that just takes away from other cultures and then pretends that it's its own and then glorifies these, you know, violent methods like what happened on February or January 6th and yep. so many other times in the past. and. Don't even get me started on Christianity, but <laughs> it's like really, if not now, like when would we ever do this? And so I really, really appreciated that in our group there were black women and there were white women. Now I imagine that's hard for you to hold that space for for both black and white women and any race um, to be participating, but I'm glad you gave voice to how important it is for white women to do this work, whether you have children or not. Yeah, absolutely. I think you have 
white women are in white spaces and they're in spaces that I'm not in or that these cards aren't in. And so we need people to take in the cards. We need people to take in the knowledge. Um, it takes, like, I can talk, you believe this, like you're, you're down for this already, right? So at some point, like, I've, what did my, my dad tells me, you're talking past the sale. And I don't mean like the money part of it, but like, you believe this philosophy, right? You believe this approach. So I need you to take it to your people or people or your people to take it to their people. There's just a, there's a, an access piece of this that I just don't have as a person or as a black woman to certain spaces. And so I do think that this information is the wisdom is for everybody in every body. Mm -hmm. I do think that. Absolutely. I mean, I was deeply moved by the whole process, by the cards. You know, I still pull the cards and appreciate the cards. I have one on my on my altar space right now. Um, do you want to pull a card or do you just want to share a few more? Like, what are you feeling called? Well, do you have a question you'd like to know? I actually think, is there something that as a collective, we need to hear in this moment? Is there some wisdom of one of these goddesses that can... Um, help us in this time of transition as we've transitioned politically, but there's still so much work to do. So what does the collective need to know in this time of transition? Yeah, yeah. I, I think that sounds like important. How do you feel? I think that's, I think that's real. Oh wait, oh, hold on, there's a, there's a card not in the deck. Um, <laughs> two cards not in the deck. Okay. So when I pull a card, um, my left hand lights up when I get to the, the card that is supposed to be pulled. So I'm just shuffling them in my hand. I'm not looking at them. That's fine. What does the collective need to know? It's that one right there. What does the collective need to know? Oh, about this time of transition, how to meet this transition. So the card I pulled is holding space. Hmm. This is a baobab. Um, the baobab trees are found in Ghana, Senegal, Madagascar, Zambia, Zimbabwe. So all over the continent. And there's an Akan and Awe proverb from Ghana that translates as wisdom is like a baobab tree. No one individual can embrace it. Similarly, no one person can hold all the burdens of this world. Perhaps you are carrying too much in this moment. The baobab reminds us that we must hold each other. Mm. And the call to action or the mantra is we are not meant to do this alone. And I think that's actually like the perfect card and it's as a collective, um, I think that as individuals, we need to do our own work. I think as um, sort of affinity groups, like black women, and I'm gonna to speak to the women, but black women need to be with black women, white women need to be with white women and do that work separately. And I also think we need to do this work together, black women and white women. And I, I speak in the polls, but I do mean the entire rainbow of people, but like the, the rainbow of races. Um, but we, we can't do this alone. Like we have to, there's, Black people can do all the fighting in the world and they have done, right? For literally centuries at this point. Um, we cannot change the structures by ourselves. We can't. And nor should we, we have to. And nor should we have to. Like we, did, we didn't actually create this problem. Yeah. And so I think, you know, white people need to do their work. All the other races need to do, do their work. And then there needs to be spaces where we come together. And we, I think empathy is really important. Um, and I think action is really important. Yeah. You know, I think gathering is really useful. I think listening is really useful. And I also think action beyond the gathering is also important, um, especially if we're gonna like, you know, the full moon circle is not gonna change the law and we need the laws to be changed. 
Um, I think we need the full moon circles to get to the realization that we have the same, um, how do I want to say this? The same sort of, uh, the same mind that's at work in the, in the systems and the structures and the institutions is also at work in us. And yep. so I think the full, and I'm, I'm being a little tongue in cheek, but I think the full moon circles are the places where we can, you know, break open that thinking inside of ourselves. And then we can take it to the streets or take it to the lawmakers or take it to this, you know, the Senate and the Congress and get those structures actually changed. Yes. And calling the world the cannot change until we change. Totally. Yeah. Calling the legislatures, calling the district attorneys, doing whatever, All of that. whatever you need to do. And I'm really glad you mentioned that because I think there is a, there's a tendency for sure within white women to spiritually bypass and be like, Oh, it's all going to be fine. We have the privilege of just checking out and coasting because we don't have to deal with living in a black body and being terrified for our life or our children's life on a daily and, and momentary basis. And I think that being around other black people more intentionally doing work like this helps us to recognize our privilege and helps us to recognize um, that we're kind of floating floating along instead of really putting work behind the things that we say are important to us like if we say we value compassion then actually valuing compassion taking action to back that compassion up so I want to rewind a little bit and I love hearing about the Oracle cards and the black goddess within what about before then? Um, I know you have a history and a tradition within drumming, within dancing, like tell me about that. It's a true story. Um, in, I think it was 1995. <laughs> I decided that I was going to take an African drum class, a uh, dance class rather. Um, and it was the thing that, completely changed the trajectory of my life. Like I was a biology major in college. Um, I ultimately wrote a PhD about tradition, memory and resistance in an African-American drum circle community here in Los Angeles. So, I mean, I really went a completely other direction after I, the drum and dance just took over my life. And it was, it's the thing that, um, when I graduated with a PhD, I actually, the, the business was called Rhythm Quest and I wanted to bring the drum medicine to the world. Um, and I started playing drums actually. I mean, so I'd been dancing for a while, I guess, I don't know, maybe 10 or 15 years at that point. And I, my boyfriend killed himself and I found him and it was some months thereafter. Like, and I kept, African dance class was like the only place I could breathe. Um, and at some point somebody put drumsticks in my hand and I started playing drums. And that's really when my life, my life took a 180. I ended up leaving the graduate program I was in. Well, they kicked me out. Um, that's, that's the truth of it. Uh, they kicked me out and then I was sort of floating for a year. And then I got into UCLA's program. I, had, I was actually playing drums for their dance classes. Um, and it's, yeah, it took over my life, but it, but that's, there's also a, a, a complete tie-in, like that the death of my boyfriend was the thing that opened me up spiritually. Mm. And that's when I started, you know, um, I guess you want to say having visitations and that the whole spiritual side of things really opened up after his death. And it's also the thing that took me to drumming immediately. And here we are many years later. And I, I still do drum in my in my like retreat work it's it's not necessarily like on my website necessarily but it's still it's still there something that i definitely do for me the drums are right there in the corner there's, there's a big drum right here you know they're all over the house um 
and drumming for me is it's definitely a way to get in contact with spirit it's definitely a way to get in contact with ancestors um it's a portal for me it's a it's a it is a divination for me. It's a way I definitely get messages when I'm drumming. So I feel like I jumped a whole lot of things there, but it's it's something that has completely shaped my adult life. Um, and it's, it's not separate from the work that I do with the goddesses. To me, they're all related. I love what you said about it being a portal and yeah. a pathway of your spirituality. I'm so sorry to hear about what happened with your boyfriend. That is completely tragic. And I can't even imagine what it would be like to go through that. And Sounds like you were given a divine lifeline through the visitations and the drumming, but wow. Yeah, they say, um, I went to like group therapy or whatever afterwards it's called, I always say it wrong. It's called survivors after suicide. Mm -hmm. And um, which I, I think I strongly recommend in the moment, like maybe I went too soon, but they, one of their lines is, you know, suicide brings you gifts. And I couldn't see it then. Um, I was probably very, just too close to the trauma itself. But it has, it totally is the thing that turned my life around and brought me to where I am now. And, you know, it, to like comfort and ease with my spiritual gifts and wanting to hold space for women. And, you know, just it's completely the thing that brought me to where I am today. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it's beautiful. You have that perspective now. And I didn't always have it, Violet. Let me tell you, that was not always my perspective. <laughs> but still, I mean, to be able to go through that and to to get on the other side of it and now be using these gifts to help so many people is yeah. is remarkable. So, can you tell us a little bit more about your programs? We talked about the Oracle cards for the Black Goddess Within, but um, what are some of the other ways that you serve women and how people can work with you if they want to? Sure. So you can always buy the deck at go.blackgoddesswithin.com. Um, I also run a class or mastermind, six week mastermind called Meet the Goddess Within. And we go, we actually dive deep into the deck every week. We're holding a card and we're working through the, the themes and the wisdom on the card and seeing how we can embody the themes and the card with respect specifically to racial healing and ancestor restoration. Um, and then the third thing that actually has just started is a, um, a nine month program called My Ancestral Oracle. And in this nine months, we're actually, I'm working with a, an intimate group of women and we are identifying and harnessing their ancestral uh, wisdom. And then they're actually turning it into their own Oracle deck. So at the end of the time, they'll have their own, their own ancestral Oracle, which is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, that's so creative and innovative. I love that. I'm actually really excited about it. It feels like the right thing to be doing. Mm -hmm. And is there a certain point in someone's, I'm going to call it anti-racist, although I don't know if that's the exact right term, but in someone's journey of, of fighting against racism and, and creating a more just society, when is the ideal time for them to work with you? Or do you take and work with anyone, even if they're just starting? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I think Meet the Goddess, like buying the deck and, and joining Meet the Goddess are great entry points. Mm -hmm. the, the, choose, the build your own Oracle adventure is a little deeper and you yeah. certainly need to take one of the other courses first. Um, but here's the thing with Meet the Goddess within and with the deck, it's like the positioning of the cards and of the class are that, that racial healing is hard. Mm -hmm. And that's, it's exhausting. And that we need to take care of ourselves. People often, they, they really don't always put together social justice and, and self-care or social justice and spirituality, but like, you cannot, you cannot do this work nonstop without taking because it's going to affect you. It's exhausting. It's hard. You're having hard conversations. You're fighting, you know, there's a, there's a, I don't know, I don't combative. There's like a warrior like energy that cannot be sustained. 
um, without self-care. And so the, what the deck teaches us and what, the, and what we learned through the mastermind is how to feed yourself, how to really nourish your, your soul um, so that you can show up to this other work when, it's, when you're being called. Mm-hmm. Because I think this is, in order to make this change and for, for, for it to be sustainable, we all have to participate, but it doesn't mean that we all have to participate all of the time. Right. And so this is a, a, I think it's a practice of saying, okay, this is what I need some to be, to be poured into. I'm going to go to the deck. I'm going to go to the class. Um, and then when I am re-nourished, I'm going to go back out again. We have to get from the overflow. Mm -hmm. I completely agree. And I think that there's this myth that self-care is in order to get resource to, you know, become more capitalistic or to become more productive. And I love how you're sharing that self-care is so that we continue to resist. At least in my experience, and I know that this experience is echoed on the part of black women, like we're tired, yeah. you know? We're, like these crazy shit's happening. They're, they're, they're murdering people who look like our partners and our children. It's being televised, broadcast, and then they expect us to go to work and like to hold meetings and to be coherent and to you know put all the emotions aside. Like that shit is exhausting, right? And so, we have to take out moments. And I, you know, I've, I've actually been writing this little series right now on Facebook and Instagram, like bubble baths, self-care is more than bubble baths. It's more than, you know, a shower, it's more than a pedicure. Like you really have to feed your soul. I think boundaries are a great way of, of creating self-care. Um, saying no is a great way of, you know, promoting self-care. It's not, it's like, it's what Audre Lorde says, self-care, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a revolutionary act. Mm-hmm. And we are not, taught and we are not expected by society at large to actually take care of ourselves. We are totally taught to take care of other people and that our desires, our needs, our wants, our basic needs don't matter. And as like, like black women are sick. Like if you look at health outcomes for black women versus white women, like the disparities are so great. Um, and that's even when you've controlled for things like age and education and money and it, it's, it's horrible. So this is something that's systemic, it's ongoing, it's longitudinal. Um, and yes, to, I mean, to your point, self-care is not necessarily so that you can go, like, at least that, that's not my position. It's not so that you can go and make more money and, you know, and feed other people, feed other people. It's so that you can really go out there and create a world that is just, that is equitable, and that is welcoming and loving to everybody, no matter their body. Yes. Amen. And I feel like pleasure is a part of that too. I know one of the weeks in your program, we talked a little bit more about pleasure and desire. And uh, I always ask my guests, you know, what is, what is bringing you pleasure lately? That's a really good question. Um, I, drumming obviously makes me happy. Uh, I'm not dancing at the moment because I'm recovering from a hip injury, but that also makes me happy. Um, my family and I play this really silly game called Cover Your Assets. It's a card game that's ridiculous. Uh, it's very fast and I don't know, we, we like it. It's one of the things that we successfully do together as a family. Um, Cause some of the board games are too involved. Um, I really am enjoying, um, I enjoy the fire pit in our mm-hmm. backyard. We just built a patio and we just, we sit out in the fire. That makes me really happy. And honestly, this is gonna sound random, a good corn cob pipe occasionally I like to sit and smoke light. I mean, it's very occasionally, but I really enjoy that process. I love hearing about all of those things. I feel like I just got to know you a little bit better. Obviously I want to share that 
people listening to this, please do the six week course and purchase the Black Goddess Within Oracle deck, especially if you're a white woman listening to this and you consider yourself to be spiritual. I think this is a non-negotiable work. And uh, we'll put on the sh in the show notes, all of the links to go find Dr. Giovanni Washington site and the deck and all of that. But what else do you wanna share? Anything else that is on your heart or on your mind? I'm actually, I'm just really grateful that you asked me to be here. I'm, um, I appreciate the fact that you're using your platform to lift up the voices of black women. Uh, and I would just encourage, you know, everyone who's got a platform to do the same. Like we are, we, we cannot do this alone. We can't yeah. do it. We need, we need each other in this work. So thank you so much, Dr. G, for being here. Dr. Giovanni Washington, I highly recommend her as a resource and all of the great work that she's doing in the world. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much, Violet. I appreciate you. Pleasure. All I right. appreciate you too. Thanks for tuning in and turning on for healthy love. Because better relationships mean more power, more creativity, and a better planet. I'm here to end the suffering of abuse and loneliness, and it starts with you please subscribe to my show and leave a review.